Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Eye on the Hill 2023, special coverage on Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Today you're with Mara Carabello and Taylor Morgan, and we are talking about the legislative session. We are in day two. Um, there's a lot of noise coming out of the, the Capitol Hill today. So what should Utahns being paying attention to when it comes to the 2023 legislative session? Well, we have an expert here today. We have KSL News Radio, Lindsay Ernst. She has she will be and is covering the Capitol. She is part of the um, marathon that will be the 45 days ahead. And we Who's got to- my Diet Coke ready? Yeah, exactly. Keep her caffeinated. Yeah, Keep seriously. her going. Uh, we wanted to discuss maybe the bills that are up today. What do we see tomorrow? But let's start. So we are at uh, 150, and we've got a set of committee hearings that start. It's sort of the first full day of what would be seen as uh, yesterday was a little bit of pomp and circumstance. We started to get bills going, got them flowing a little bit, unprotected, which means when they're protected, we can't see them. Mm-hmm. You and I can look them up, but they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. So now you're starting to see content What's going on at the committees this afternoon? Well, I will say there are some standing committees meeting right now, but a lot of the appropriations committees start in these first couple of weeks, like where's the money going, right? right? So you'll see a lot of that. But specifically today, there is a pretty significant hearing happening in the Senate, the Health and Human Services Committee. And that is because there are three transgender-related bills that are being heard in this one Senate Health and Human Services Committee right now. And uh, one of those bills uh, bans uh, gender-related surgeries um, and then puts a moratorium on hormone treatments. And it uh, establishes a uh, kind of um, criteria for what doctors have to follow in order to uh, treat those hormones. And yesterday I heard from the sponsor, Senator Mike Kennedy, who argued that this version of his bill was firm but fair and compassionate. He believed that it, it was doing that. Um, and kind of this substitute version was a little more palatable, he said. Um, so the second bill that's in this committee today also blocks minors from changing their gender on their birth certificate. So if you were under 18 and you wanted to uh, have your birth certificate identify you as a male or female, um, but you weren't assigned that gender at birth, you wouldn't be able to change that. And this would be including a parent who wanted to change. I believe so. I'll have to double check on the language of that. I meant to look at that. Yeah, yeah. But but these bills are uh, specifically making laws for minors, but some of them allow parental consent and some of them don't. So look at that specifically, whether or not that includes uh, parental consent. But um, the third bill that's in there does require parental consent. And this is a bill being run by Senator Todd Weiler that would prohibit school districts from 
school districts would have to notify parents if a student wanted to change their gender, like on official documents at school. Mm -hmm. So you could still go to a school and say, I want to be referred to as a different gender. But if you're going to change, you know, your official school documentation, your school record, if you want to do that, parents would have to be notified. But this is also your pronoun, right? Yes. As I understand it, this would allow me, let's just use me, um, Mara, I could go to my teacher and my teacher says, hey, what do you want to be called? And I could say Sam and that would be allowed. It would be that when my test comes out, mm-hmm. it would still say Mara Carabello. Yes, right? exactly. Uh, there's a thing called Power School. If you have school age kids that, right. that sends out kind of all your official documentation and, and all of that. If That's you change- the thing I've supposed to have been logging into. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah. want to remember. You're that. getting all those emails from the school <laughs> yes. district saying, yeah. remember your kid's Power School login. Yes. yes. So changing it in there, changing it on any school official record would require notification. Um, and in fairness, a lot of school district uh, gender policies already do this. Uh, this would just make it set in Utah law. So, Lindsay, we're we're starting out day two with some tricky laws, right? I mean, these yeah. these can be stressful. These um, have passion on both sides. Uh, this is also year two in which we have had legislation specifically around the trans community um, and and minors. As you keep pointing out, I think it is an important distinction as people are watching this. This is about our kids. That can weigh you on either side or the other, but that I think is an important notion. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. The other thing I wanted to maybe get your perspective on is looking at the bills two ways. I do on bills like this. One is sort of just on face what the law would do. But the other thing that's interesting about bills like this is the precedent they set for, interestingly enough, a conservative-leaning state. Um, the, many of these bills are uh, bringing the state's point of view into the family unit, whether that is what parents could do or what kids could do on their own. What an interesting discussion about um, a conservative state who believes in small government. These are all sort of big government bills. Now, what you'd weigh against it is what you believed it remedied, you know? Right. Well, look, if you agree with the Utah legislature and and do what they think is right, then they don't ever have to get involved with uh, your personal life, Mara. So... We hear this phrase local control a lot at the legislature, uh, but that is applied in a very flexible manner, I would say. I asked Senator Weiler yesterday about his bill. Um, One of the things that struck me about his answer was I I was sort of making the case. uh, I'll I'll tell you my point of view about what's – my my case was where's the problem. Mm -hmm. I remember last year the athletes trans bill. There are 75,000 girl athletes and there are two trans kids and my point was – 
where's the problem? Right. A I was asking him that. Of, in search of a problem. Right. right. And Senator Weiler said passionately, hey, it's preemptive. I'm preempting a problem. Yeah. So just our listeners, I would say that's always an interesting notion. Do you want laws to preempt problems? Do you want to fix them after? And there were, you know, negative or, or unintended consequences. Yeah. One other thing I want to point out about Senator Weiler's bill is in his uh, bill, he requires a two-thirds majority vote. So it's not a simple majority as far as right. getting it approved. And, and he's going that- after immediate effectiveness is my understanding. Yes. Yeah, so that would make it so the bill can take effect immediately. Typically, when you run a bill, you put in an effective date of like July of this year or yeah. something like that. It has time for the governor to sign it, to get implementation, all of those things that have to happen. This would take effect immediately on his specific bill. Yeah. So maybe just a little bit on process. Uh, Lindsay, you did well to point out there are things called standing committees. There are things that are appropriation committees. And you're going to hear, listener, us focused on um, appropriation committees because oftentimes if your piece of legislation does have significant funding to it, boy, you want to get those in the system early and make sure leadership sees and starts counting them against what will ultimately be the budget bill. Yeah, I want to point out a couple other bills that are big talkers this session that are also kind of moving forward. We know this school choice, school voucher, depending on what you call it, bill, uh, will be heard in a committee tomorrow. This is the um, House Education Committee. So they meet at two o'clock tomorrow. So that bill is moving forward. Uh, But we should start to see the discussion on it starting tomorrow at 2 p.m. And there's a lot of vested interest in that bill as well. Another kind of nuance bill that I'm following is this issue on injunctions. Uh, There is a rule proposal out there to change the standards for when injunctions and restraining orders can get issued in a state. So in the state. So typically a lawyer would have to prove a certain set of criteria in order for a judge to issue an injunction. Well, the state of Utah and a representative is trying to change that standard and it would affect injunctions retroactively. And for many and, of us, this is a balance of powers issue as yeah. well. Um, is this a grab for more legislative power or uh, and, and it is unbalanced the judiciary? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because typically after, you know, the judiciary weighs in on it, the judicial branch in whatever way they weigh in on it, that's it, right? It's settled right. by the courts, right? And that's a check on the legislative branch, right? We're seeing it now where laws are created, they're deemed, somebody thinks they're unconstitutional, you file a lawsuit, the court weighs in, right? Well, now Utah's coming back and saying, well, we're going to change the rules in which the court can abide by. So the question yeah. is, is that an appropriate check on the judicial branch or is it an overreach? Yeah. Well, Lindsay Arts, KSL News reporter, you are on the Hill. I've seen you there <sighs> myself. You are working all hours. You don't look – you look not tired quite yet. But <laughs> it, listeners, look, you can track everything that's happening on the Hill at le.utah.gov. But more importantly, follow you have to follow Lindsay, Lindsay on Twitter. Oh, you guys it are nice. is Lindsay with an A yep. on air. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you won't regret it. Well, stick around. Coming up next, uh, we are going to continue on with the legislative session and break down more of the key bills and developments that you need to know about. Stay with us. Salt Lake City live team coverage. Eye on the Hill 2023 on KSL News Radio, your all day companion for news. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.